The Old Testament reading for this, the 18th Sunday after Pentecost, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes from the book of Ruth, the first chapter. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb, that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope... Even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods, Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And this is the word of the Lord. He will command his angels concerning you. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The epistle reading comes from Paul's second letter to Timothy, the second chapter. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. 
Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And this is the word of the Lord. And the Holy Gospel comes to us according to St. Luke, the 17th chapter. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give, give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever watched one of those high-stakes poker tournaments on TV? I don't follow all the players in the standings like my brother does, but every now and then when I fall asleep on a Sunday afternoon, I'll wake up and realize the football game is over, and now they're showing a poker tournament. And I'll admit it usually kind of pulls me in. In high school, you know, we'd kill an entire afternoon playing poker sometimes, but it was just for bragging rights. There was no real money involved. But at these tournaments, which I am not advocating you get involved in, there is big money on the line, huge money, and it's real money, which is what makes these tournaments so dramatic. And at the end, when it's just two players left, the greatest tension comes when one player makes that call that signals the whole thing could be over with the flip of a couple cards. All in. All in means you are betting all your chips, putting it all in the pot. All in means you are not holding anything back as a safety net, that you are trusting the entire game, the entire tournament, all the prize money to the cards that you're currently holding. All in means that you are letting this hand decide whether you win big or go home. Well, for Ruth and Orpah, in our Old Testament reading, the stakes were even higher than a million-dollar jackpot, and it wasn't just a game of poker. These two women who had grown up as pagans from Moab, they had married brothers who had come with their father and mother from Bethlehem while Judah was suffering from a famine. And now the father and both brothers had died, leaving Ruth, Orpah, and their mother-in-law, Naomi, widowed. No support, nobody to provide for them, no hope for the future. 
There was no social security or welfare. Widows needed to remarry a relative of their deceased husband. And there just weren't any more prospects for any of them. So Naomi says she's going back to her family. And she suggests that her daughters-in-law do the same thing. And Orpah does just that. She goes back to her old life in Moab, returning to that which she knew before she married. But not Ruth. Ruth instead clings to Naomi and refuses to leave her side. She had a choice here. Go back to Moab to her family and start again, marry again, probably find something better than what she was walking into, or continue on this path walking away from everything she knew, everyone in her family, and going to a foreign land to care for Naomi. What did Ruth do? Ruth went all in. Now, what made Ruth so willing to go to Jerusalem with Naomi? She wasn't obligated to. In fact, Naomi tried to talk her out of it, which is kind of a really bad move on Naomi's part. She, in fact, explicitly says, go back to your gods. Go back, turn away from the word of the Lord that I've taught you. Leave me alone. Go do something for yourself because you will find earthly riches back in Moab. And that would have been the safe thing to do. Go back to her old life. Go back to her family. Start over. Marry someone else because Ruth and Orpah are obviously young and of marriable age yet. But Ruth didn't. Why? Because she knew the promises of God. She had heard the word of the Lord, and at this point, she would not give that up. She knew from marrying into the Jewish faith what God had promised, and she clung to that. She says, your God will be my God. I will die with you. Your people are my people. I will not leave what I now know. And so Ruth went all in, risking everything for the chance to be among God's people and to worship at his holy house. Now the trust of this former pagan was now completely on God. Even more so than Naomi, who had been raised in the faith. Ruth walked away from what the world would have called the sure thing, the smart thing, the safe thing. She walked away from everything, not holding back one little bit, going all in to bet on God's grace and love and mercy. What about us, though? Why is it that we are so reluctant to go all in on Jesus. We know the promises of the Lord. We've heard his word. But we fear what the world will say. We know we live in a culture that mocks Christian faith, that despises Christian virtue and morality. And we don't want any part of that. We don't want to be on the receiving end of a tirade on Facebook. We don't want to hear that we are outdated bigots. We listen what the devil says as he whispers in our ears. He tells us, hedge your bet because God can't possibly do it all. God won't provide for you. God won't give you what you actually need. He says, trust the world. I mean, look around. Seven billion people living in sin can't be wrong, right? 
Look at all the successful people who have walked away from the church. Look at all those with money and wealth and fame and riches and private jets and all the luxuries and love that they could have in the world and how they have walked away from the faith. The devil says, bet on me instead because I'm way more fun. I'm going to give you your heart's desire. I'm going to give you everything you want. I've got excitement and thrills and things that you can't even imagine under your stuffy old Christianity. The devil wants us to bet on him. And we heed our own sinful, lazy flesh. And we do. Because we want something tangible now instead of promises of something down the road. We look at all the glitz and glamour that people have and we say, ooh, that is awfully nice. I do want in on that. We think of God as a future thing, kind of a life insurance policy that it might benefit us someday, but right now it just costs us. We don't see any value in it. We would rather satisfy our own sinful desires, exchanging God's word for the lies of the world, for the filthiness that it tells us will bring us real joy and pleasure, but instead only heap upon us guilt and pain and suffering. We buy into the lie and say, yes, devil, you do offer good and fun things, and God can't give us that. The world, the devil, our own sinful flesh, they all try to convince us that going all in on God is foolish, that there's no way that it could possibly pay out. But listening to them is not safe. It is not wise. And it does not benefit us one bit. Because the fact is, they don't care about you. Their goal is simply to drag you down to the depths of hell with them. To see you suffer the same way that they themselves are. To get you to exchange the treasures of heaven for the tawdry thrills of this world. They seek only your destruction, your eternal condemnation. But God, however, he does care. He does love you. And he does have your best interest in mind. Knowing what God has to offer hearing his word and actually believing in what he says, we should be eager to put all of our chips in on Jesus. Because the fact is, there is no bet involved here. A bet implies that there's a chance to lose. But Jesus has already won the victory and given it to us. If you're bluffing, if you're banking on a pair of twos, it can be stressful to go all in, to bet it all. But when you're holding a royal flush, when you've got a double run with double pinochle, when you know for a fact that your opponent is holding the old maid, what have you got to stress over? There is no risk. Jesus is no bet. He's a sure thing. He is a complete, total, undeniable guarantee. He has won. It is finished. Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not some false preacher who tells you, give all that you have to God and he'll return it to you in double. God never made that promise. And God doesn't trade in earthly riches like that. You may never have a million dollars in your bank account. You may have no wealth in this world at all. But the winnings that we take as Christians, they are far greater, 
far more valuable, and certainly not dependent on how much we do. So why wouldn't we strive to do all that we can to live according to God's word, to do what is pleasing to our Heavenly Father who has given us so much? Not to earn more, but in gratitude for what he has so freely and richly given us. We should be bold to go all in with our entire life on our Christian faith. Not hiding our faith away until Sunday morning and then kind of peeking out and going, yes, Jesus, I do believe in you, but please don't make me tell anyone. We should share the good news of Jesus Christ all throughout the week with everyone around us so that they too can know the salvation and joy and love that we have. And not just by mentioning Jesus every now and then or handing out a little card that has a cross on it, by living out your Christian faith, by speaking God's word in what we say and what we do and in what we don't do, refraining from coarse language and humor, even if everyone might look at us funny and say, why in the world wouldn't you laugh at that? Because I am a Christian. Standing up for God's truth, even when this world is shouting you down so loudly and it seems like nobody else is standing with you. Refusing to take part in the evil ways of this world, even if everyone else says that it is fine and good and open-minded. Showing the world that God comes first. That he has done so much for you that you can't help but live a life for him. Not to earn God's grace, because you've already been given that, but in response to what God has so graciously done for you. Called by God as Christians, washed clean of all of our guilt by the blood of Jesus Christ, given everything that we have from the hand of our Heavenly Father, why wouldn't we go all in, living a life fully devoted to Jesus? And even if we don't do it perfectly, which we won't, God's perfection is sufficient, and his grace is boundless. Paul writes, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Our assurance isn't on ourselves or our perseverance or our dedication or anything that we do. Those things fail us daily. We don't bet on those because we know that they're bad. Our assurance is in God in his divine, infallible word, in his promises fulfilled throughout history. He has a perfect track record, both throughout the history of the world and in our own personal lives. He has suffered and has died for us. He has paid the ultimate price to win us back from sin, death, and the devil. By rights, we don't deserve any of that. We deserve nothing but death because we are filthy, rotten sinners who disobey his holy, perfect laws. But by grace, we instead are given everything. We are forgiven of all of our sins. Our unpayable debt to God, it has been paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. What makes us think that all of a sudden that's going to change? Based on what's happened in our lives, what has happened all throughout history, what God himself has revealed to us through Holy Scripture, there is no bet involved here. There is no risk. How can we do anything but go all in on Jesus Christ? And when our faith is in God, oh, what winnings we rake in. 
Certainly we look forward to heaven, to that eternal paradise that God has prepared and won for us, where there will be no more death or sorrow or pain or suffering. But even now, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we reap huge benefits by putting it all on Jesus. Not necessarily in earthly baubles and trinkets that are going to break or be lost or be stolen. God's riches are far greater. And they are worth far more than riches, fame, and luxury that can be taken from us at any time. Here in this world, as Christians, we have peace of mind in times of doubt and calamity. Here we have protection from many of the disastrous consequences of sin as we say, no, I don't want to take part in that. And people say, how are you avoiding all this pain and suffering? Here, no matter what might be happening, no matter how chaotic this world might be, we have absolute assurance of salvation and eternal life. The world tells you that it's a foolish gamble to believe in God and to trust in his promises, to go all in on Jesus Christ alone. But it's no gamble at all. Jesus Christ, God himself in our flesh, is the one and only way to salvation. And in him, we are guaranteed everlasting life. Not because we are so faithful and willing to risk everything on him, because we're not. We're not always faithful. We're not always prepared to go all in on him. We oftentimes hide away our Christian faith. But God has gone all in on you. God has given everything for you, has put it all on the line, has sacrificed everything. And he won for you. He defeated Satan. He destroyed death. He set you free from your sin by suffering and dying in your place and rising again from the grave. This is what God has given for you. And this is why God will never leave you or forsake you. You are precious to him. He has given everything for you. In grateful response, then, we cling to God, refusing to leave no matter how the world might deride us. And we know that it is not a bet, that there is no real risk to go all in on Jesus. The world might snarl. The world might take away our goods. The world might even take away our very lives. But still you have lost nothing. For in Christ alone you have absolute assurance that even death is not the end. For by the cross and empty tomb of Jesus Christ, by his sacrificial death and glorious resurrection, you are forgiven of every one of your sins. And eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.